Welcome to Grace this morning. We're glad that you're here. Uh, this morning, we are going to wrap up our series called Phantom Faith. And uh, for the last few weeks, we've been asking ourselves this is a question. How do we know our faith is real? Right? How do we know we have real faith compared to phantom faith or, or fake faith? Now, we all understand, because we've all you know, lived more than one day here on this planet, that uh, there's things in this world that look real but aren't, right? We've all, we all get that. Nobody gets that. Okay, well, newsflash. All right, sorry to bum you out. But, uh, but yeah, there's things in our world that, that look real um, that are completely fake. Uh, I uh, had a buddy of mine a few years ago. He, I, I, I ran into him, and he was all giddy. He was all excited because he had found somebody on the Internet who, had, who buys women's hair. Okay, I'll explain that in a second. That sounds weird. All right, who buys hair. For the guy said that they uh, they make like dolls out of it. Okay, so what my buddy had been doing, he has a few daughters. He had said uh, he had been growing his daughter's hair out for like the last six months, six to eight months, to cut it to send to this guy to sell. He was literally like harvesting his daughters. Okay, his daughter's hair, kind of weird. And he was all excited. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make a few hundred bucks for my daughter's hair because she's got this color hair, and this one's got this color hair, and that's worth that much." He like knew all this stuff, and uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, eh, sounds too good to be true. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not so sure about that. But and so I kind of pushed back a little bit, but didn't want to, you know, bum the guy out or give up his hopes. And so, uh, and, and so the next week we ran into each other. And, uh, and he actually had the check that he had gotten. He sent out the hair. He actually had the check that he had gotten from the hair in his pocket. And he's, like, showing it to me. And sure enough, it was a check written for, like, $3,000. And uh, if, you know, if you've ever sold anything off Craigslist or I'm guessing Facebook Marketplace is kind of the same thing. But definitely Craigslist. It's like a scam, okay? It's been there. This, is, I've, this has happened to me, like, 30 times, like a whole bunch of times. And basically what the scammer does is they buy your product, in this case, hair, okay, gross, and, uh, and they'll send you a check for way more than what, it's, what it was supposed to be, and it's a real check, it's a real bank account and, of somebody else, not their own, and then you go, you cash a check, and they always ask you to wire them the money. And so I'm explaining this to, all, to him. I'm like, they're, then they're going to ask you to wire them the money, some of the money, because they overpaid you, and then they'll get the money, and then in a few weeks, when that company's like, huh, we didn't write a $3,000 check to Zach Pinkerton, they're going to come to you and say, hey, we want our money back, and then you're the one ended up paying whatever you sent to that guy. That's how it works, okay? That's a scam. And so I'm like explaining this to him, and I'm like, man, what, you know, this isn't real, okay? And he was so bummed out. And he's like, I could do this, you know, that's how he's going to make his living, I don't know, but uh, harvesting his daughter's hair. But uh, many times, right, our faith can look real, it can seem real, it can feel real to us. We, you know, we buy into the idea that, yeah, you know, I like God. Me and God, we're cool. I'm, you know, I, I like the idea of God. I'm a pretty good person. You know, I think God's generally, you know, I think he, he accepts me and he likes, you know, he likes, you know, how, the way I live my life. But if we were to dig deep and we were to do like just a little bit of investigating, we'd find out that our faith is fake. A lot of us, right? Some of us. We'd find out that we don't actually have real faith. We actually have Phantom faith. And this is one of the reasons why a guy named John wrote a letter to a church and, that we call 1 John. And John's whole thing is he's saying, hey, you can know if you have real faith. Like, you can know. All right, you can test it. All right, you can know if your faith 
is real. Last week, uh, we talked about the first part of the of first John, and um, basically what he, you know, what, he, what he's saying, he's saying, hey, I got to be with Jesus, I got to, I got to see him, I got to listen to him, I, I saw him with my own eyes, I heard him with my own ears, you know, I got to touch him with my own hands. He's like, I got to be with him, and because I was with Jesus and I listened to what he had to say, he's saying, now I get to have community, or what he says, fellowship, the Greek word koinonia, he says, I get to have community with him. With the being that's been here forever, who, who was there before the beginning, okay, the creator. He's like, I get to have fellowship with him because of my faith that I have because of what Jesus told me. And now he's saying, hey, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said so that you can have uh, this fellowship with me called the church. It's what God's thing. And he's like, but not only that, more importantly, you can have fellowship with God, the creator, who was here before anything began. And he's like, this is, this, is, this is the message. He's saying, God is light, and there's no darkness in him whatsoever. He's like, God is light, and the way you want to test to see if you have true faith, remember, this is what we talked about last week. He says, you need to see if you're walking in the darkness or you're walking in the light. And so last week, we made, I think it was like right here. Hey, actually, you guys could go ahead and do it because we're going to build off this week what we talked about last week. So right here, we're talking about the light. And remember what Jesus had to say about the light? He says, those people who are in the darkness, they don't like the light. Why? Because the light exposes those things in our life that shouldn't be there. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time in your life, I mean, you totally understand this because, because you know, God, he convicts us. He's constantly trying to shape us and form us and to make us better, right? Sometimes it's extremely uncomfortable and it's not fun, right? He's like, people don't like that. People, what people usually like, and let's say over here's the dark, like last week, he's saying, people like to be in the darkness. This is where people are naturally, this is, we all naturally like to be over here. It's comfortable. We get to hold on to our sins. We don't have to, nothing's getting exposed. We can live the life the way that we want to, and, and we naturally love the darkness. And so John's saying, you need to figure out for yourself, where do you walk? Do you have that fellowship with God? Do you have that relationship with God? Are you walking in the light? Not that you're perfect by any means. Is God exposing those things? Because that's what he does when he has a relationship with us. Or are you cool with sin? You're all right with sin. Sin's, you know, you sin. You know that you sin. You got issues in your life that you need to take care of. But you're, it's not really hurting anybody. And it's not that bad. And it's, you're okay with it. That was last week. Where do you walk? You walk in the light or you walk in the dark? This morning, all right, the question that we're going to look at is John's going to ask, what do you love? And we're going to start in 1 John chapter 2. Remember 1 John? It's uh, not like a normal letter. Um, he, I, and I don't remember the technical term, but he uses a different type of writing, an ancient type of writing 2,000 years ago, that uh, back then as, he's, as the readers are reading the letter, they're like, oh yeah, we totally understand what he's saying, but here it's not like a logical, linear progression throughout the letter. Here for us today, it's like kind of difficult. So it's been, it's been a little difficult studying what exactly he's trying to say, but uh, we'll do our best. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 is where we'll start today. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All right. Now, some of you guys, maybe you're sitting there, and this is what I was at kind of at the beginning of the week. I'm just like, whoa, 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 do not love the world. Aren't we supposed to love the world? Like, aren't we supposed to love the people of the world? Like, think about it, John 3.16, which, by the way, John is the guy who wrote that. This is the same John who's writing this letter. He's the same guy who wrote John 3.16, quoting Jesus. I mean, didn't Jesus say, for God so loved the world? 
that he gave his one and only son? Aren't we supposed to love the world? And what I learned is that the word for world in the Greek, in the New Testament, all right, is this word cosmos, and uh, it means three different things. Number one, it can mean that, uh, it, it can mean the physical earth, okay, we get that. Number two, it can mean the people who live on the physical earth, all right, that's John three sixteen. And number three, it can mean the, the ways of the people on the physical earth. And so what John's saying here is he's not saying, hey, the earth is evil, Ooh, you know, watch out. All right, he's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, yeah, you shouldn't love, like, the people. You shouldn't love the people of the earth. Yeah, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you should not love the ways of the world. You should not love the ways of the people on the earth, like the earthly system. And just like God has no darkness in him, which we looked at last week when we were talking about light and dark, he's saying God has, does not have any part of the earthly ethical system or the ways of the world. Actually, he says, those people who are walking in darkness, those people who are in love with the ways of the world, he's like, he's like the ways of the world are evil. Right? There's, God has nothing to do with it because the ways of the world are so, so wrong and so evil. And then John gives us a few examples of what he is talking about. He says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, he names off three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions. He's like, it's not from the Father, that's not from God, but it's from the world. Now, when we hear the word like lust or the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh, usually, probably, I would think most of us, we automatically think like, okay, sexual lust, we get that, you know, that we shouldn't be doing that. You know, we th- but, but John, the term here, it's so much more broad than that. His idea is anything within our life that we look at and we say, I see it, I like it, I want it, I'm going to get it. He's like, that's the way of the world. He talks about pride and possessions. He's, what he's talking about is boasting in what we've done, which we all do to a certain extent, and boasting in what we have. All right, being, only thinking about ourselves. He's like, those people who are walking in the darkness over here, he's saying they only think about themselves. It's just me, 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 I, 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 I. Right? They, they're boasting about themselves. They, they walk in a manner of, of extreme importance. They view themselves as an important person, a sense of importance. He's like, that's, 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 that's evil. That's not from God. That's not how God has called us to live. He said that actually comes from the world. That comes from walking in darkness. That's the ways. That's one of the ways of the world. See, the problem for a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, is we are too in love with the world. It's like we love the world or the ways of the world too much. Meaning our life is focused on building, 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 right? Getting that raise, getting that promotion. All right, it's all about, it's all about work, getting that better car so someday we could get that better house and get that better boat. You know, or maybe, maybe it's not even like stuff. Maybe it's like credentials, right? I want to get this degree. I want to get this certificate. You know, I want to get this license. I want to, you know, g- gather all these awards. It's all about us. Now, none of those things are bad in and of itself, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong, all right? What John's trying to point out is he's trying to point out it's the reasons for why we do what we do. What he's doing is he's reminding us, he's saying, hey, don't forget, God looks at the heart. The question we should be asking ourselves, why are we doing what we are doing? Is it so that we can advance in this world? Is it so that people will will respect us? Is it so that we can make more money? Is it so that, you know, that we could get more or, or better stuff in our life? 
You know, he's saying, hey, those people who are walking in darkness, it's all about them. It's pride. They're boasting in all the stuff that, they, that they've done or all the stuff that they have. He says it's, it's, it's all about them. It's not about God. It's not about others. It's all about them. He's saying that is the way of the world. And the problem for so many people is that we are in love with the world. And he's like, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't be standing over here in the light, walking in the light, doing your thing. You can't be over here in the light and love the ways of the world. You can't do it. It's one or the other. Why? Because God has no part in the darkness. There's no darkness in him. None of that is from the world. They have nothing to do with each other. And he said, instead of loving the world, which is so easy for us to do, He's saying, this is who we should love, or this is what we should love. He says, for this message that you have heard from the beginning, meaning it hasn't changed, all right? What you should love isn't anything new, all right? This is exactly what God's been telling us as humans since way, you know, way before, since the beginning. He's like, since the beginning of time, he says, this is what God's been telling us. We should love one another. Now, for some of us, that sounds easy, right? Well, love one another. Okay, yeah, you know, I got, I got that. I, I love people, all right? But it actually is a lot more complicated than that, all right? He, he gives us an example of what not to be. He says, love one another, unlike Cain. You remember Cain? Cain from the Old Testament, Cain from Genesis. He says, Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. He says, why did he murder him? Don't you remember, guys? He says, because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous, all right, remember that story of Cain? We find it all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 4, way at the beginning, Adam and Eve. They have two sons. One's Cain, one's Abel. Uh, Cain is like a farmer, right? He, he likes growing things, and that's what he likes to eat. He's a vegetable, fruit type guy, you know. And then Abel, his brother, is more like a rancher. I don't know. Um, he's like more into the animal aspect of living. And so, you know, he's got his flocks, kind of maybe a shepherdish, you know, kind of guy. And, and Cain's got his garden or whatever, and uh, farm, and, and that's how they live their life. Well, then one day, they both come up to God, or come before God, and they give God their offerings, right? What does uh, Abel give? He gives, the Bible tells us, the first and the best of what he's got. He doesn't hold anything back. He gives God the first and the best of what he's got. And uh, Cain, on the other hand, he comes and brings God just some of his produce, okay? Just, just some of what he has. All right, looks good. But on the inside, God knows what's up, right? Because God knows our heart. And so God looks favorably upon Abel's offering, and he looks, and he does not look favorably upon Cain's offering. And when, you know, we don't know the situation. We don't know exactly how, how Cain knew this or Abel knew this. But when Cain, somehow he knows that God doesn't look favorably upon him because of that. And Cain is ticked off. Right? He gets mad. In fact, he, he gets so jealous about his brother that God comes down, or towards his brother, God comes down and actually talks to him. Remember what he says in Genesis chapter 4? He says this. He says, then the Lord said to Cain, he says, why are you furious? Like, Cain, why are you so, why are you so mad? And why do you look despondent? I didn't know what that word was, but that means your face looks down. He says, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, and he gives him a warning here. He says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. 
but you must rule over it. And after this conversation, Cain is still so filled with rage and jealousy that he goes to Abel and he actually kills him. It's the first murder. It's the first human death in the history of people. Right? What John is doing here is very interesting. He is using Cain as an example to us. He's, he's using Cain because Cain on the outside, everything looked good, right? On the outside, Cain was a god worshiper. He had everything set. He brought his offering. He brought his sacrifice. He looked good on the outside. But on the inside, he's looking at Cain. He's like, no, no. Cain was one of those people who walked in darkness. Cain was over here. He was a lover of the world. He loved the ways of the world because God looks at our heart. See, some you guys know people who... Um, you are like super in love with their pet. You know what I mean? Usually it's like a dog, maybe maybe cat. I don't know. Um, you, you, we all know people like, some of you guys are like this, okay? This, this is, we got people sitting in here that are like this. And you take, you take your pet everywhere. Usually it's like a little dog, all right? You take your little dog everywhere. You're the type of person that you dress your little dog up in like sweaters. And you got, your dog's got a bed in the car, you know, and it's got a little bed in the office. It's got a little bed in several rooms of your house. You know people like that? All right, some of you guys are people like that. You know, you're all about your little dog, right? You, you, it's all groomed perfectly. It's got a little bow in their hair. Sometimes the bow is bigger than their head. I don't quite understand that. But uh, you're, all about, you're all about your little dog, and, you know, and, you, know you don't want to think about it. it's going to die someday. But it, there it is. I don't know why I said that, but, you know, it's a dog, people. But, you know. So you got your little dog. See, a lot of times we treat sin like that. We have like these little pet sins that we carry around. And we're like, he's kind of cute, you know. I got, this, I got this little pet sin. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. I feel really comfortable with my little pet sin that we carry around. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. It's almost like we feel like we can manage and control our sin. That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. Right? The Bible says you cannot manage ongoing sin. You cannot do it. You might think that you can do it. You might feel that you can do it. He's like, but the Bible tells us you cannot manage ongoing sin. You know why? Because sin is trying to destroy who? Destroy you. Sin is trying to destroy me. This is the warning that God's giving Cain, right? This is what God's saying. He's saying, sin, Cain, 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 you don't understand. Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is to take, not anybody, its desire is to take you down. See, what John's trying to get us to understand, he's saying, you can't love the ways of the world and God. You can't have it both ways. You can't have this sweet relationship with God and, and be in love, you know, and, and, and love God. You can't do that while carrying around this little pest sin that you're okay with. That's not that big of a deal. It just doesn't bother you. You can't do it. First John chapter 3, back to First John, he says, Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters. He's like, do not be surprised, people, if the world hates you. He's like, hey, the people who are walking in the darkness over here, He's like, they hate the people in the light. Yeah, they might not show it. They might not come out and say it. And, and they, might, you know, they might be preaching, hey, we should all love each other. But he's saying these people, they hate those people in the light. So don't be surprised. 
Because we know that we have passed from death to life. Meaning these people in the darkness, they're actually in death. They don't know it necessarily. And we were all here at one point. But we as true Christians, which isn't everybody in this room. right? He's saying we have passed from death, from walking in darkness, from being lovers of the ways of the world, all the way over here to light. When we start our relationship with God, and we know this because we love our brothers and sisters, because the one who does not love remains in death. There we go. I was like, I'm lost. I forgot a verse. Everyone who hates his brother or sister, he says, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Some of us, we look at this, we're like, murderer? Well, that's kind of harsh. Well, you know, that might be taken a little too far. What John's doing here is he's quoting what Jesus said. Remember Jesus, right, came on the scene, started saying a bunch of stuff that everybody was like, yikes, that hurts because he's, he's over here in the light. Actually, Jesus says he was the light, and he's exposing all these little things in our life. That's what being in light, unfortunately, does. It was good for us, but it hurts sometimes. Right? And so Jesus, he, he came on the scene. He, he showed us God's standard, or maybe just a glimpse of God's standard, because I don't think we could fully understand what God's standard actually is. And so he came on the scene, and he was like, hey, you know, um, if you lust after somebody, what you're actually doing, yeah, maybe you're not going to commit adultery with that person. But if you lust after somebody who's not your husband or your wife, he's like, hey, what you're doing is you're actually committing adultery in your heart. It's like same heart sin. That's God's standard. He said the same thing about hate. He was like, hey, if you hate somebody, yeah, you might not go out and commit murder. You might not go murder them. But what you're doing is really the same heart sin. It's like you're committing, it's like you're committing murder with the, you know, to them, I guess, in your heart. See, he showed us his standard. And so John, he's pointing back to Cain and he's saying, like God did with Cain, Jesus looks at our heart. And no Christian should have hate towards those around us, but instead we should show love. Now, how do we know what real love looks like? Next verse, he says, this is how we know. All right, this is how we have come to know love. He says he, and he's referring to Jesus, he's saying he laid down his life for us, and we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He's saying, you know how we know what love is? Because Jesus showed us. Because Jesus showed us. He physically showed us. And we need to love like Jesus loves. Later on in the letter in verse 4, he says, love consists in this. He says, not that we loved God, but that he, Jesus, he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for us. And so he's trying to point this out. He's saying, hey, we were over here in darkness. Not that we were in the light, all right? It's not that everything was good, that that we were walking in the light. We have this fellowship with God. We got this relationship with God. We We did not love God. That's not why he came. He didn't come because we had all this love for God. He said, no, no, no. We were over here in the darkness. We were lovers of the world. We were literally in death, walking in the darkness, doing whatever we wanted, all about ourselves, all self-consumed. It's all about me, 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 me. And he's saying he came because he loved us. It's not because he was impressed with our love for him. He's saying, no, it's because he truly loved us. And now... 
we not only know what real love is because of his example, but we too ourselves can truly love. In verse 18, he says, little children, he says, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. He's saying, hey, look at Jesus' example for a second. He doesn't just talk about it. He didn't say, hey, guys, human race, you know, whatever. I, I love you. I care about you. I'm, you know, I'd I die for you. He didn't just say it. He proved it. And he proved it with action because that's what real love is. That's what true love is, right? True love equals action every time. John's saying you just can't. Talk the talk and not walk the walk. That's not how it works. That's not what, that's not what love is. Now, society, on the, on the other hand, society in our culture, I mean, is always talking about loving others, okay? Our society is big on talking about loving others, and, and, but there's usually just no action associated with it. Or let's say this. Let's say very little action. Sure, we could donate five bucks to some cause and feel good you know, about ourselves, like, oh, I love those people, those orphans, or, you know, whatever, you know, um, we could post something on Facebook and Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, social media, you know, you're all into, we could post something and feel really good about ourselves, like, oh, somebody probably read that and felt, you know, they know how much I love this people or these types of people or those types of people or the oppressed or whatever it might be. Our society tells us, yeah, sure, we should stand up. You know, we need to stand up for the newest, coolest thing that it's, you know, cool to stand up for these days. You know, the world, we got to understand this. The world's understanding of love is so distorted. The world doesn't know what love is. The world has their understanding of love or what they view love is is so distorted. The world tells us love is a avoiding confrontation or acting like, acting like everything is good when it's not. Or, hey, you definitely can't judge others. You better not judge because that's not, that's not lo- real love. Or, or we need to help people in pursuit of like the worldly things in their life. Or you need to, you know, we need to follow our heart. Just all this stuff. That's what the world tells us. It's completely opposite of what the Bible says. I've said it's a lot more than just talking the talk. It's walking the walk. See, we need to love each other with actions. It's not just words. And our love for others is actually evidence for real faith. And for those of us who don't love others, that's evidence for phantom faith. All right, verse 20. It says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's, John's saying, he's a liar. He is a liar. And the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. By the way, the word for brother and sister here, all right, that doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't mean your physical brother and sister only, okay? Some of you guys are like, oh, dang it. Like, Sometimes, well, sometimes it's hard to love your brother and sister, right? But sometimes, you know, for, for half of you, it's like, that's like an easy thing. Oh, well, I love my brother and sister, so I'm all good. No, no, no. This, what, what John means here is he means everybody in your life, okay? All the people who are in your life, even that person like at work, because, you know, we all got this. Well, you know, I don't feel like I have this as much. Give a shout out to Blaine and AJ, wherever he is. But, uh, but uh, you know, those, like think about it, the, per- the person that drives you the most nuts in life, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your in-laws, maybe it's your, somebody at work that just drives you crazy, you know, John's meaning including them. He's saying if you're standing, you know, if, you, if you're saying that, um, 
that you love others. You're saying that you love God, right? And, uh, and you don't show love to every other person within your life? And you don't show love, by the way, not just say that you love, all right? Not just feel in your heart, yeah, I love that person. You know, no, this is showing love by action, okay? More complicated, a little harder, all right? A lot harder. He's saying if you don't show love to that person that you can't stand, you know, through action, he's like, man, there's probably pretty good evidence that you're standing over here walking in the darkness. He's like, that's it. That's how you could tell. The question is, what do you love? Right? It's like the bottom line, right? Uh, if you have no love, then you have no God within you. Uh, and on the flip side, if you know God, then you know love. All right? I, uh, Mike Miller came up with that. I thought it was kind of catchy, but then I was also tr- trying to debate whether that was kind of lame or corny, too. But, uh, so I'll give him props for that either way. But, uh, but that's, that's the question, right? What do you love? What do you love? Do you love the ways of the world? Do you love yourself? Oh, I'm trying to accumulate all this stuff. Or do you truly love others? Meaning not just some others. We all love some others. But do you truly love everybody? Even that person who you cannot stand the most. Who do you love? See, everyone in here is in love with one of those two things. And if we're over here, Maybe you're thinking to yourself today, you're like, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I, I like to think I have a relationship with God. I, you know, I, I like the idea of God, but, but yeah, there are some sins. That, there's some stuff in, our life, in my life that I'm just not ready to let go of, and I'm carrying around that little pet sin, and, and, I think it, and I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, if you don't think sin is that big of a deal, you're probably over here. And, you know, you're walking in the darkness. And, and if you, there's people in your life that you hate, maybe hate sounds such a strong word, probably nobody in here would say, yeah, I hate this person, all right, if they were to get real, but if there's people in your life that you do not show love to, John's like, you're probably over here, but you could go to the light today. The Bible says all you have to know, all right, is you got to understand that you're messed up. That God loved you so much that he came down and he sacrificed himself for you. His, the example of love that we have. And you just got to invite him into your life. You don't have to have all your questions answered. Right? You, don't have to, you don't have to know everything about anything. Right? About everything. You, know, you just have to know those three things. You got to understand. And you got to ask God to come into your life. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a conversation between you and your creator. Not anybody else. And you could do that today. And if you've never done that before, I'd, I'd beg you to do that today. Take care of it today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And for those of us, say we've been a Christian, maybe, maybe we've been a Christian for a few weeks, maybe we've been a Christian for 80 years, I don't know. And we're over here in the light. And, and not saying that we're perfect, because we're not perfect. Remember, God, he has paid for everything that we've ever done wrong, so he's literally removed our sin from us so that when God looks at us as we're in the light, all right, he doesn't see our sin. Because we've placed our trust and our faith in, into what Jesus has done for us. But the, for those of us who are in the light, you know how the light exposes those things? You know, we looked at that last week, and, and you know, we see those things, and it's like, ah, you know, God's always trying to point those things out. Maybe today, what God's pointing out in your life, maybe today, the thing that he's trying to expose for you is maybe you don't show enough love. Sure, maybe to some people, 
Sure, we all got people in our life that it's easy to love, but I'm talking about especially those that are hard to love. How do you show them love? To the point, really, where they feel loved. Where they feel like you like them. Let's pray. God, we ask that, uh, Lord, if there's anybody in here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they'd start that today. And for the rest of us, Lord, uh, we thank you for giving us this letter from John. And God, help us to love Love's hard, and it's difficult, and none of us are perfect at it, and we all got our issues, and there's always people in our life that are just so difficult to love. God, we ask that you'd help us even to love those people. Help us to feel, help them to feel loved by us. God, and help us to be able to show that with an action. God, we thank you for our greatest example of love that you've given us, which is you dying for us. You didn't have to. You didn't need to, but you did anyway because of your love for us. And God, we thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.